0: If you've ever encountered someone with Down syndrome, you know that they are some of the kindest, most joyful people you will ever meet. They truly have something extra. My name is Lisa Nichols, and I have spent the last 24 years as both the CEO of Technology Partners and as the mother to Allie. Allie has something extra in every sense of the word have been blessed to be by her side as she impacts everyone she meets. Through these two important roles as CEO and Mother to Ali I have witnessed countless life lessons that have fundamentally changed the way I look at the world. While you may not have an extra chromosome, every leader has something extra that defines who you are. Join me as I explore the something extra in leaders from all walks of life and discover how that difference in each of them has made a difference in their companies, their families, their communities, and in themselves. I'm excited to have Jane Edsad Grant on the show today. Jane is a master certified coach, facilitator, leadership speaker, and author. If you like this episode today, please go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen and leave us a five star rating. Jane, I cannot wait for our conversation today. I've been looking so forward to this, just learning more about you, and you're in London. Which is so cool. I'm in St. Louis. Thank goodness for technology, right? (laughs) That that allows us to connect like this and even see one another. Isn't that amazing?
1: Oh, it's beautiful. I think technology is a great enabler of our connection and capacity to reach others whom we perhaps wouldn't otherwise.
0: That's exactly right. And you know what? I'm also grateful for wonderful people that make connections for us. And our dear friend Manisha Sheedy is the one that connected us. And she's like, Lisa. I really think you're going to like Jane. And when you and I spoke the first time, I'm like, you are so correct. So thank you so much for making the time to be on the show today. I cannot wait for our listeners to learn from you.
1: Oh, well, thank you for inviting me. And I'm
0: grateful for Manisha too, for putting us in touch. So I know that you grew up in the UK. Can you tell me uh, just a little bit about how you grew up? Oh, sure. Well,
1: I grew up just outside London, probably half an hour east of London in a county called Essex and listeners that may know this part of the world. And my parents, you know, having regular jobs. My mum was a secretary and my dad worked in service industry, fashion, and then in food. Yeah, so I went to a regular school and was part of a church growing up. My grandfather was a lay minister in a Methodist church. And that was a big part of my community as I grew up. And yeah, I was able to complete school locally to where I lived before I then moved into London at the age of 19 to study. I became a secretary myself is where my journey began. And yeah, that from that moment on was living in London for most of my time until I
0: was married and we moved out. Right, right, right. You mentioned being a secretary and I know that you started your career at Swiss Bank Corp, right? Mm. I want you to tell the listeners, you call it the University of Life experience. (laughs) You decided to do something that I think is so cool and you decided to travel the world. Why did you decide to do that, first of all, Jane? And what did you learn about yourself, about the world? Yeah, so after three years of working in the city for Swiss Bank Corporation,
1: for secretary to the chief exec secretary, a girlfriend of mine said, look, she was quitting her job and did I want to travel? And I just thought, why not? So I rented my flat out and together we decided to travel. So for 14 months, we literally traveled the world, starting in the States and spending six months in America traveling. I think we visited 35 of the 50 States. And then we went on to uh, Asia, Australia, New Zealand, Indonesia, Malaysia, Singapore, all of that area. And for me, one of the things that I discovered, I mean, there were many things I learned during that period. But one of the most profound things was discovering more about people and the cultures in which they live. And, you know, it was a real privilege, Lisa, to be part of and witness a very different way of being and living to what I was used to, you know, in the UK. And I feel you know, very fortunate to live in you know where we do. And I think one of the key things for me was I worked uh, in Australia and it was during a six month opportunity to work in a company called Sydney Ferries State Transit that I discovered what I wanted to do for the rest
0: of my life. So it was pretty transformational. What an amazing experience. I hope you have tons of pictures from that time. Do you have any experience or any place that you went, Jane, that just really still stands out to you? Um, Well, I think there were many. I think I adored India for the richness of the colors, the
1: smells, the food, the diversity, the people, very generous and caring and thoughtful I love New Zealand for its beauty, the naturalness of significance and the scope of the landscape. And I think for me in Australia, the work piece was phenomenal because I was 24 years of age and you know, I discovered what it took to create an opportunity for people to find themselves and who they want to be using their gifts and talents in what we know as this structure called work. And so it was being part of a department, a focus, which was back then called Personnel, which created and helped the organization with its systems, processes, and ways of being to enable people to find work and be fulfilled in what they do. And that's what was the real spark in
0: me that I wanted to help others find. Absolutely. And that's what you ended up doing. (laughs) And you went into in people-centric HR-type roles from there on for about 15 years, right? You did that for 15 years, but then 17 years ago, you decided to step off that wagon. I think it may have been after you had your children and you're thinking, how can I combine all of this? How can I do it all, right? And so you started your own coaching and leadership development practice. And I love this. I'm gonna read your mission here because I love this. My mission is to inspire you to think for yourself, as yourself to unlock the potential you have within you. And that's one of your core beliefs is that people have everything they need within them, right? My approach is to provide generative attention and a listening, perhaps unlike you've ever experienced before to support you, to challenge your thinking in service of you developing new insights that will enable you to achieve clarity, feel more confident, and design new ways of moving forward. And now you would not say this about yourself, Jane, but I'm going to say it about you. You are a master certified coach by the International Coach Federation. There's only one of just 4% of those globally, which is amazing. But you were voted in England as the best executive coach in South England. Congratulations on that. I mean, listeners, we are speaking to an award-winning executive coach here. So I know you wouldn't say that about yourself, but I'm going to embarrass you and say it about you. (laughs) Well, you have and Thank you for that. You can see the redness in my cheeks. (laughs) Let's talk about this a little bit. You said we are human beings, not human doings. So focus more on your doing. So can you expound on that a little bit? And I know that you even, uh, one of your books is the qualities of effective personal leadership. And you can even talk about that a little bit if you would like to to our listeners.
1: Well, thank you. And it is, you know, what's interesting to me is that so much of our system and organizations are focused on the doing. And you know, it's fair and to some extent when you think about businesses, what is it they want to accomplish? Well, they want to accomplish results. Results for all stakeholders, you know, what we hope in businesses, they're there to provide an opportunity for people to learn and grow, to get the results personally for themselves as they grow as human beings. And at the same time, the businesses will be focusing on getting results for all of the stakeholders to generate revenue such that they can provide opportunity for their people to grow and serve others. And so for me, one of the challenges I see in some organizations, the systems and processes only reflect and reward the doings of human beings. So, you know, how many targets have you raised or have you reached? You know, what new products have you developed? What do you do, 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 do? And many of my clients, one of the key frustrations is they spend all their day in meetings and they have very little time to think. And so when they get to our coaching together, it's I finally get a chance to be me to think for myself and to generate new thoughts and ideas and express how I really feel. What I'm encouraging people is to think about, and the trainings I offer, it's really about how we're being. How do we show up in life? And my hope is that when people recognize their profound responsibility as a leader, whether it's a leader in business, a leader in their own life, which is of course where it starts, A leader in community like you are, Lisa, with so many amazing things that you do and facilitate and serve others in. And leaders in our families as we inspire our, our young people to be who they're meant to be. And so for me, this essence of being is being aware of how do we show up, you know, really taking the time to get to know ourselves. Who are we? Who am I as a human being? What do I stand for? What are my values? And then how do I choose to honor those each and every day? And so many times in conversations with others, in the coaching conversations, it's to help leaders define these key or answer these key questions, you know, who am I? What do I stand for? What's important? Where am I going? What's my vision? And how am I going to take people with me to share with them that this is going to be better than where we are today?
0: I love that. <laughs> because I know you have a passion for listening and Jane, what you call it is listening to yourself. You know, you encourage people to take five minutes a day to listen to yourself. But one of the things I love is you talk about the questions that we ask and you already said a few of them there but it may be in a meeting or or something that you had done. You said, ask yourself, what might I've done differently? How could I have been better at that conversation? How could I have shown up differently? Ask yourself these questions. And how often do we really do that? I love this one. What's draining my energy right now? Because those things that are draining your energy those possibly maybe things you need to let go of right how can i be a more inspiring leader i mean just asking yourself these questions will help you maybe improve the being
1: absolutely and it's this idea of listening to self is something that you know is emerging for me over time and i've begun to look at uh, what i call five levels of listening and the first level is this one it's you know for me in order to be a good listener for others we need to discern and discover how to listen well to ourselves. And so one you know, attribute of a great listener is the capacity to ask a question that will ignite the mind or the thinking in another. And in this case, if it's self-listening, it's those questions that will ignite our own thinking. And I do, you're spot on. I encourage people, even in my trainings, just to take out two minutes, five minutes to listen to themselves and to notice. So what's going on for me right now? What am I thinking? How do I feel? And to begin to start to notice these things that you were saying, what's draining my energy, what's fueling it. So we begin to live a life on purpose, to create the opportunities that enable us to live on purpose, to be the best versions of ourselves. And it can be challenging, you know, it's really about facing up to what sometimes we might be in denial about. And so, you know, asking the question, what's right in front of me that I need to face, but haven't done so yet can be equally powerful to help discern what we might need to let go of.
0: Yeah, I know that you were on a podcast with Oscar Tremboli and he said the same thing. He said the foundation for deep listening is listening to others requires proficiency in listening to yourself. So he said the very same thing on that. So I love that. You know, you say, is your language critical or is it compassionate? What feelings arise, you know, when you're with this person? There's so much more I want to talk about with listening. You know, we're going to talk about the enemies of listening. You wrote a blog on that, the enemies of listening. I want to talk about the colors of listening. I'd never heard that before. And I think that's really cool. And then I do want to talk about time to think because I know you're a time to think facilitator. But we do need to have a quick break here and then we'll be right back with Jane Edson Grant.
1: Are you a rising IT leader? Could you benefit from a network of like-minded peers? Let me introduce you to the St. Louis Technology Leadership Experience. This one-of-a-kind program gathers cohorts of IT professionals for three workshops, peer small group problem solving, one-on-one mentoring by IT executives, and multiple networking events. You'll be prepared for your next steps as an IT leader by gaining core leadership competencies and a strong, powerful network of peers. To apply for our next Tech LX cohort, visit
0: tpi.co/tlx. So, welcome back to the Something Extra podcast. So, Jane, you talk a lot in your books. You talk a lot in your writing about generative listening. Can you define that for our listeners? Well, thank you, and I'm glad you asked the question because many people do. What do we mean by
1: generative listening? Well, this was a term that I learned from Nancy Klein, who, you know, is the most wonderful pioneer in her work of helping others think well for themselves independently. And so generative listening is where we offer generative attention. And this kind of attention is an active way of being with another to generate the best thinking in others. And so for me, generative listening is the ultimate level of listening where we generate their thinking and full expression of how they feel. It enables others to become unstuck if they're stuck in terms of what they want to accomplish. I've witnessed people have significant breakthroughs in their thinking and actually transform their lives and their ways of being and make good decisions and perform even better through being in the presence of generative listening to think well
0: for themselves as themselves. Very good. When you talk a lot, there is a difference in hearing and listening. So hearing is the more passive, but what you're talking about is very active. It really is. And you know,
1: active listening is great, and that's another term. Of course, we have many different types of listening. You know, we have active listening, reflective listening, self-listening we spoke about earlier, empathetic listening, and now I'm introducing generative listening. And so there are many different types. And I think for us, it's around at any one point in time, we may be employing these different types depending upon the situation. So I love to teach and share generative listening because it's a key philosophy of mine is, as you mentioned at the beginning of our conversation today, to create an environment for people to be their very best, to step into and up to who they're meant to be. And you see, in my experience, Lisa, when we listen generatively, which means the actual skills of this is about how do I as the listener show up? It requires a certain way of being. It requires me to give my attention free from interruption and judgment. It requires me to be at ease myself. And it requires me to encourage, literally to give courage to the speaker so that they can articulate more clearly and more effectively. So generative listening is a skill and a discipline because it requires us
0: not to interrupt. And it requires us also to see the possibility and the potential in another. Yes, I love that. And you just kind of alluded to it. You said your job as a listener is to help the speaker make sense of what they are thinking. I mean, that is so profound because if you are active listening, if you're using that generative listening, then you are going to be able to formulate the right questions even to help that speaker with clarity of their own thoughts, right? And we'll talk a little bit. You, you mentioned Nancy Klein, but I will go on and say this quote of hers that I love. The quality of everything we do as a human being depends on the quality of the thinking that we do first. Mm -hmm. I think that is so beautiful. And so, as a listener, you can really help that speaker with their clarity of thought, right? So, you said we need to prepare ourselves to listen, and sometimes we have a monkey mind. What do you mean by that, Jane? That is funny. Well, you know,
1: probably somewhat inspired by, oh gosh, a gentleman, Stephen, I want to say Stephen Palmer, but it's not Stephen Palmer now. Anyway, it'll come to me. One of the things is that we notice is our mind is very active, of course, and we'll get inspired and, and somewhat distracted. And I would say it's the distractions that take us off. So our mind will wander. And when we're listening to another, sometimes one of the challenges of listening is our monkey mind, i.e., a mind that goes off and wanders and starts to think about what are we going to have for supper tonight? Or I need to be in another meeting. Or, oh, gee, I've got to go out for an event and I don't know what to wear tonight. Who knows? And so that monkey mind is to be able to quieten that mind when we decide to listen to another, to generate their best thinking so they can understand themselves more fully, because that's what's important here, is to quieten that monkey mind and to give
0: our attention once more. So that's what I mean. Gotcha. Well, you say we have 300 thoughts that come into our mind. I don't know how often that is, maybe per minute. I don't know, 300 thoughts that come into our mind, but we only voice 30 of them out loud. And so I'm just thinking, oh my goodness, our minds are incredible, really, with all the things that we think. And so if you are really doing that generative listening, you've got to quiet your mind. Those statistics come from one of the uh,
1: psychologists who was one on one of Nancy Klein's trainings. And um, what was fascinating for me about that is it speaks to the biology of listening which suggests that we speak on average about 125 words a minute, and yet we listen of just over 400 words a minute. And so in that moment, we have this gap. And so during the gap, what happens is that I'm either gonna be figuring out what you're gonna say next, or jump in and finish your sentence, or I'll be thinking of how to solve or fix the situation that you're presenting. But on top of that, we think on average 900 words a minute. So this is the extra sort of 300 thoughts that go on for every 30 that we say out loud. But what that actually means is that I can't possibly know as the listener the totality of what you're thinking and feeling during our conversation. And so I'll never assume that. What I'll do, however, is seek to understand you, is seek to get closer to what you're wanting to accomplish for yourself. And as you said earlier, through generative listening is to simply invite you to keep thinking well, to ask you to continue your thinking. And then if you get stuck, maybe I'll ask you a question that help you become unstuck. Always on your agenda,
0: rather than directing your mind to my agenda. You have an article, you talk about the enemies of listening, and we've already talked about some of those. It's noise, that can be the noise in our head. It can be outside noise, our attention spans. I don't know what our attention span is, but it's not very good. <laughs> it's not, I don't know scientifically what that is, the stat on that. But then you say there are some practical ways that you can improve your listening skills. And can you just go through a few of those for us, real quick? I think that would help our listeners.
1: Well, the first one I would love to offer is to simply resist the urge to interrupt. It's a habit that so many of us have and, you know, no surprise because we're brought up in a world that interrupts us constantly. You see it in, in organizations, in meetings, where often you'll find that the same 30% of people will contribute 75% of the ideas and we're missing out so much because we don't hear from everybody in the room because those who have propensity to speak louder or, or more. And will interrupt others. So, the first thing I would say is to resist the urge to interrupt and to know that what happens when you interrupt someone, the brain literally receives it, Lisa, as an assault. The brain will receive an interruption as if it's been assaulted. And what that means in the neuroscience is the amygdala gets ready to fight or flight or even freeze. And so, the moment you get interrupted, the speaker will lose their train of thought, but most of all, will feel. Less valued because the interruption perhaps suggests what I'm about to say is of more importance than what you're about to think. And we don't want that. The second thing I'd love to offer is to quieten your mind. That monkey mind we spoke about is to notice. It's that we're human beings. You know, we do have lots of things often. Many of us are juggling several things. But my invitation is when you choose to listen, to give your attention to another, is to do just that. So quieten your own mind. And minimize distractions. So if you happen to have a mobile phone with you, either turn it off, best of all, but if not, turn it to silence and certainly turn it over so that if it does go off, it doesn't distract whilst we're in the room. Because, you know, with a phone on the table between the two of us, what is the message that sends? Well, actually, it sends that there are three of us in this room, you, me and the phone. And if that phone pings and I react to it, perhaps that's more important than what we are exchanging on right now. So, I would say, quieten your own mind is number two. And number three is minimize any of those distractions. So, those other three to get you going. And if you apply just one of those today, you will make a massive
0: difference in the quality of your listening and the quality of the thinking and speaking of another. I love that. And I love that you mentioned that because sometimes when we're learning new things, Jane, it can be overwhelming. We're like, well, how do we remember all these things? Well, don't look at it that way, right? Take one of these things and get that into your DNA and then work on the next thing. So I think you've got seven or eight things here that I think are really good so that our listeners can dig into more you talk about the colors of listening can you talk about that real quick and then we'll talk about something extra
1: well the colors of listening basically is an article that I wrote inspired by one of my delegates participants who came on my latest listening to liberate 30-day challenge and he asked me this question if you were to give me the three primary colors of listening, what would it be, Jane? So here's what I shared, and my invitation to the listeners is what three colors would you choose for listening for yourself? So I shared with the readers that red is giving your attention free from interruption and judgment. I shared that yellow, I see yellow as being at ease. I talked a moment ago about quietening your mind. So being at ease yourself, free from that kind of urgency and rush. And then I see blue as asking open questions. So as a great listener, we want to ask questions to ignite the mind of the thinker and open questions, those that will liberate their thinking further and take them beyond where they thought previously, rather than closed
0: questions that simply require a yes or a no answer. I love that. Well, let me ask you, Jane, this is called something extra. So what do you believe is the something extra that every leader needs?
1: It is to listen, to listen more. What I'm struck by, Lisa, is that listening is so underrated as a skill in leadership and a skill in life, something perhaps we take for granted and we confuse hearing with listening. So for me, what I would love is that, and it's a world that I imagine, is that we all listen first. When we listen first to enable others to step into who they're meant to be, we have a learning mindset and we get to experience more, better and different for the good of all. So the something extra I'd love to offer is for leaders to notice their listening habits, to seek out how they can improve their listening. And when they do, notice the impact it has on others, because when we listen, it shows how much we care.
0: It's beautiful. Thank you so much. Well, Jane, I want to give you the opportunity to tell our listeners about whatever you would like to tell them about. I would love for you to share your URL to your website so that they can go there if they want, but tell them about whatever it is and then how they can get involved. Well, thank you. So yeah, people can find me at janeadsteadgrant.com.
1: That's the website. And also on LinkedIn with the same name. You've generously asked me a little bit about some tips and hints to help people develop their listening. Well, I have written a book Are you listening or just waiting to speak that's full of listening skills and principles to enable you to deepen your relationships and strengthen the leader in yourself through your listening and i guess the thing i'd love to invite any of your listeners to is that in august august 2nd i kick off my next 30 day listening to liberate challenge and all of the things we've spoken about today is what i will cover in the challenge with just five minutes a day coming into a global community Uh, you get to experience some of these skills, practice them and have support and encouragement along the way. I'd love to see anybody who'd love to or learn from anyone who'd like to join me on that. So
0: would they just go to the website to sign up for that? Or how does that work? That's a different website. i have just on the back of this challenge, a new brand is emerging. And no
1: surprise to you, it's thelisteningcoach.co.uk. That work is around on that website. If you'd want to Discover how to roll for the challenge. The ListeningCoach.co.uk, and that launches
0: August the second. You said that's
1: right. Registration is open
0: now, and so we're onboarding delegates from now onwards. Very good. Well, Jane, I have just enjoyed this so much. I think I could just spend hours and hours with you. <laughs> But thank you so much for agreeing to be on the show. Well, Lisa, you're so welcome. And may I just thank you. May I, I would love just to appreciate the energy that you provide to
1: others, the positivity, the sense of hope and optimism in helping us step into who we're meant to be through this kind of resourcefulness and helping others see that we all, no matter what, have something extra to offer. And thank you for inspiring that. Well, thank you. Thank you for listening to today's show. Something Extra with Lisa Nichols is a Technology Partners production. Copyright Technology Partners, Inc. 2019. For show notes or to reach Lisa, visit tpi.co slash podcast. Don't forget to leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you listen.